everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your Maxis Tyres pre-race show for the penultimate round of the 2022 Downhill World Cup in Monsanan. Maxis have an incredible history with racing and are the tyre brand that comes to mind when you think about performance. So then, it's no surprise that Maxis have won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup Downhill and EWS racing. Whatever your needs, whether it's racing or just riding, Maxis have got you covered with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I've spent a lot of this year using the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip in the new XO Plus casing up front, combined with the DHR2 Double Down Max Terra on the back. It's a popular combination for good reason. I find that it gives incredible grip in the turns, but also provides great braking traction too, so you can really scrub off that speed when you need to. Maxis are giving away some awesome merch bundles throughout the season. If you want to get your hands on one, then just share this podcast episode on your Instagram and tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike, and we'll choose a lucky winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at maxisbike. Would you like to join us live online for the recording of the Monson and Post Race Show? Well, we're going to let a limited number of lucky people hop into the virtual studio with me, Elliot and Nico and watch the recording, along with having the chance to ask your own questions to the guys in the live chat. If you want to be one of those lucky few, then all you need to do is to head over to goreggie.com. That's G-O-R-E-G-G-Y.com and search for Downtime and you'll find an event there. Or there'll be a link in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Get yourself a ticket and then we'll send you a web link so that you can join us to watch the recording live. We'd love to have you along for the ride and to ask what you want to know from Elliot and Nico. It'll take place at 10am EST, 3pm BST and 4pm CEST on Sunday the 7th of August. So head over to goreggie.com now and get yourself a ticket. Alright, Monsanan 2022 is upon us, so let's find out what to expect from Coach to the Stars, Chris Kilmurray. Chris Kilmurray, welcome back. How's life? I'm back. I'm good. We're still on the east coast of North America. We're... uh... We're doing what we can. Can't Excellent. complain. It's been nice. Yesterday was sunny in uh, sunny in um, in Quebec the last couple of days since everyone's kind of traveled from snowshoes. So uh-huh. um, quite nice. Big travel though. A few days ago, big travel from uh, snowshoe up to here. Even if you like, you know, we did direct flight from Washington to Montreal and the drive afterwards. But with your standard 2022 travel delays and the distance between Snowshoe and Washington and then Montreal and, and here in, in Montsinan, it's an 18 hour travel day. So oh, I think man. most people were on pretty substantial travel days, whether they flew or drove. So I think everyone's pretty, the last kind of 48 hours, everyone's been pretty chilled. Just trying to let yeah. the body wind down from Snowshoe before the big build back up for this week. And if you hadn't already lost your luggage, you have now, right? Yes, yes and no. We didn't lose any luggage, but the bikes didn't get on the plane. So we had a small direct flight from Washington to, to Montreal, as they say around here. Um, and we could see it was a small plane in Embraer 175. So like a, a kind of a regional plane, you know, and you can see all the bikes. There must've been 12 bikes maybe for the flight, different teams, different <laughs> riders. And yeah. you can see them all line up all the bikes on the tarmac, trying to like think about how to squeeze them into the plane Tetris style. And I think the boys <laughs> just like the baggage handlers just looked at each other. It was three of them. And just kind of gave each other a nod. And I think the nod in the end meant, yep, we'll just leave them here. <laughs> <laughs> but what a big so we got, we got to Montreal and that was it. No, no one's bikes came out. So we all just sat around in circles. And Montreal airport was carnage. Like it's the sea of bags, like the bag wasteland, like every other airport in the world at the moment. 
and there was also um just some sort of a, a para para sport games on in in quebec uh, so a lot of the wheelchair athletes and amputee athletes and stuff were in the airport so there was uh-huh. a collection of different sized machines and bikes and wheelchairs and everything getting delivered so there was there was no chaos. trolleys left there was no there was just chaos is the word yeah crazy but yeah. we all got i think everyone everyone should be all, all right we got our bikes back and sounds oh, like a lot of teams teams and riders have got bikes and bags by we'll, or we'll get bikes and bags by wednesday or thursday no problem so okay fingers crossed for that well let's uh yeah let's briefly touch back on the snowshoe goings on uh it was as always an exciting race across all the categories i think um any thoughts from your side any standout performances anything unusual what, what did you spot um yeah standout performances for sure the likes of Ronan Dunn um Camille Ballanche uh definitely standout performances Amory Piero getting getting the job done mm-hmm. um not not giving up one centimeter of of effort or track and he managed to eke out the win at the end um Camille just masterful kind of display of managing the conditions and riding as fast as you could for the conditions um and Ronan Dunn just dominating one sector too uh, which was the longest sector of the track which was the new woods which you didn't see until a bit on tv on red bull tv so yeah a lot of a lot of big performances uh, and a challenging week a challenging week for everyone's mood mindset um and work and processes because the track was just unpredictable is the word you come in you can hit a rush next lap the rut wasn't there you could hit exactly the same line at the same speed with the same effort and two runs ago it was perfect this run the bike just bolted left or right and like i said we said recently myself and a few a few friends and colleagues were having a chat about it and if this was if there was a if this was an engine powered motorsport um like you know motor gp or or f1 or something um and maybe even motocross and the track was that unpredictable that probably postponed the event (laughs) (laughs) but mountain biking's cool like that you don't you don't have that sort of there's no there's no culture of cancellation you know so you just you just you just dealt the cards you dealt and off you go and most certainly for the elite men the track dried out um substantially for the the last 10 guys it's tv gap so you know between the say between the 15th rider leaving and amory there's an hour and 35 minutes so it's a substantial amount of time for uh for the track to dry out Uh, but that meant you had to capitalize on your situation which the likes of Ronan Dunn did you know qualified in the top 10 made the most of it for finals and executed a good run so it was a wild week I think we got lucky the last few times we were in snowshoe with really good weather Uh, everyone loved it sunrises to your back sunsets to your to your face in the evening um you know dry fast track gnarly bits but fun bits uh fantastic fans and uh, everyone loved it whereas this time actually the bad weather the rain the heavy mist the lack of seeing the horizon the lack of sunshine the distance between the pits and the start line the whole gnarliness and scariness of the track um i think yeah everyone's a lot of moods were slightly slightly dipped so you had to catch yourself kind of midweek and realize you know you got a job to do it's not that bad and don't let yourself just go into the spiral of doubt and negativity, you know? So it was a super challenging week, interesting week. Um, uh, amazing fans, which kind of, I think pull, pull race day together in that place. Cause the venue itself is, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's pretty, pretty sparse, let's say. 
So uh-huh. the fans, like the American fans, they're knowledgeable. The marshals are like the friendliest people you'll ever meet in your life, I think. Um, everyone's got a story. The marshals are all line spotters. They'll give you the inside info. If, even if you don't <laughs> ask, they'll give it to you anyway. Um, so yeah, cool. Inter- Snowshoe's always a cool race, interesting place, amazing fans, uh, gnarly track. So yeah, it was a good week and a challenging week. Yeah, and very good to watch, certainly from afar. So yeah, a lot of uh, battered bodies and low mood leaving snowshoe i guess like how do riders physically and mentally turn themselves around because it literally is just a few days with like you say a lot of travel squeezed into that before they're back at it again and and a few people are going to be feeling a bit broken physically and mentally i guess a little a little bit gentle on the after party there definitely was an after party because of some people's results that you know well like the like the likes of ronan dunn that first podium so there was definitely the, the younger generations were keen on the after party and they recover fast so that's not an issue um but I think, yeah, everyone just kind of keeps it mellow, you know, hot tub action, cold shower, good food, relaxation, hit the driving range, um, shoot some guns, do whatever you needed to do between the snowshoe, Washington and and Canada, you know. So I think everyone has everyone has slightly different way of approaching it, but the majority of people want some gentle exercise, a lot of downtime, a lot of vegetation time where you just kind of sit there and just kind of just chill. You just really, really, really just let the body come down from from the the big highs and lows of a a week of racing so mentally and physically you just need time to relax so a lot of people just do very very little for a couple of days and then eventually start to uh, from tuesday or wednesday this week they'll start to you know really slowly build up so go for a spin do some activation stuff in the gym you know a light session here and there maybe ride some trail rides some some gnarly trails near here in monsonan that'll get you ready for the terrain there's a pump track here there's a slalom track at the bottom of the hill there's lots going on so everyone will be there's golf, there's go-karts, there's Quebec City is pretty close, so you can go for a nice coffee shop. So everyone will have their own approach, but I think it's just a case of let things come down, reflect and get over the the highs or the lows of, of last week, and then you just slowly start building for this week. And from Wednesday this week, track walk, feet, you know, boots are on the ground from 9 a.m. or 9.30. And once that happens, I think everyone just goes to race mode again. The head just turns towards thinking about all the details of this track, you know. Yeah, and impressively, most people made it out of there in one piece. I think, right? Matt Walker was the was the big name I heard with that broken kneecap and hand, but didn't hear about too many injuries beyond the. Yeah, there was know, there was no helicopter this time. There was no helicopter trips last uh, last time out in snowshoe. We had a couple of helicopters flying around picking up some bodies, and I think you know the average speed. Um, the, the ability to achieve high speeds and the average speed was was pretty impossible, pretty impossibly low in uh, in snowshoes. So that that's actually what helped. So even though there was lots of crashes, there were slow speed crashes. So the energy involved just isn't as much. So when when you have to dissipate energy, it's your bones dissipating energy. Then uh, <laughs> that's when breaks and, and gnarly things happen. Whereas here, it just didn't seem to happen. So a lot of battered bodies, a lot of bruises from small crash. A lot of people didn't crash. You know, I, I know Win Masters, Cami Balanche, and a few other racers said they only crashed once in the weekend, you know, or yes, less incredible. Um, so, like that management side of things, people were just aware, just very hyper aware of how slippy it was, how easy it was to crash, so that it just didn't crash. And like average speeds were super low, you know, average speeds for the elite women in, in Andorra were 38 kilometers an hour for qualifying elite women. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure qualifying elite women was 25 or 26 kilometers an hour and race, okay. race runs elite women was 32, I think. Mm-hmm. So like slow as world yeah, cups go difference. these days, it's pretty, pretty slow. You know, the elite men were at 37.5 for Amory's run kilometers per hour, average speed, you know, Laura's Fergie won Maribor last year, almost 42. 
Uh-huh. So you're looking at five kilometers an hour difference on average everywhere. So yeah, that's probably a big part of the reason why there was um, less less gnarly crashes or less gnarly injuries from the crashes. A lot of crashes, yeah. not many injuries because you just weren't going as fast. Yeah, it's worked. It's got everyone to, to Montsonan in one piece. So let, let's uh, yeah talk us through the track in Montsonan. Some some big changes this year is the rumor. Yeah, rumor is big big old changes. Um, I think from from what I've heard. Um, and what you can see from from the lower half of the venue and uh, the surrounds uh, top is basically the same give or take a few details like we probably won't go onto the restaurant platform this year mm-hmm. um, at the very very start um, but you, you seldom see that on TV anyway you only see the edge of it um, and then they're probably going to get rid of a few bus stops and a few tighter sections in leading into the first woods and in the first woods and um, and that the main reason for that is just to chop some chop some meters off the track because we, instead of the super high speed straight that everybody knows and kind of loves from Montsanan, you know, when World Champs twenty nineteen, Bruni was seventy two kilometers an hour at the speed trap, which is fast on a on a bicycle on a, a rocky track. Yeah. So that super super high speed um, section that Vital Raw would have made famous. Uh, I remember John Lawler was perched there for about four hours in twenty nineteen, and that's gone. And we dip into the woods on the right hand side and we pick up an old track. Um, so an old track that's been used for, I don't know if it was ever used for World Cups previously. Like I think we've had 27 races here, 27 World Cups maybe. So it probably was used at one stage. I have to ask Steve Pete. Steve Pete will know. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely, it's an old section of track. And from, from what I've heard, it's tight. It's eroded. It doesn't leave much room for choice. doesn't leave much room for creative lines. At least it may, it may leave some margins for creative writing. Um, and quite flat as well. So beyond that middle woods, let's call it, uh, you pick up the Stevie Smith drop and all the famous high speed sections underneath the gondola with the fly offs and the the kind of sweeper corners and then into the the lower rocks, Lidal, the famous rock section. So I think everything the fans are going to see this week on Red Bull TV is what they've seen in previous years. You probably won't see much of the new section with the exception of top 10 elite men and top five women who have uh, three minute gaps or three yeah. and a half minute gaps potentially here. So you'll see a little bit more of them potentially in the the new old stuff, let's call it. But give or take what you're going to see in TV is, is classic Monsinan. Um, this new new old wood section, the second woods we'll call it, um, you know, the average speed in there is probably going to be 30 kilometers an hour or less, which means when you compare it to the average speed in the high speed straight, it was 60 and it was dead straight. Um, we're looking at maybe 20 seconds of track more, maybe 25 uh-huh. Maybe wow, even okay. more for the junior girls. So yeah. if you think Valley Hall won World Champs here with a five zero six or something, five oh one, yeah, five oh one, just over, yeah, just over five minutes for twenty nineteen World Champs here for Valley Hall, and she was what sixteen seconds off the elite women's win at the time, there or thereabouts, I think. Uh, yeah, Miriam was four fifty three, so seven and a bit. Oh, okay, closer than I thought. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, but you can see, you know, Miriam was just sub five and uh, Valley was just over five. And we're going to add on 25 seconds of track, in my opinion, potentially, from mm-hmm. what I from what I can gather. So, yeah, we're looking at uh, an enduro stage <laughs> by, <laughs> by modern, by modern downhill, um, by modern downhill standards. We're looking at something a little bit kind of whore norm, you know, out, out of the norm. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to walking it. Um I'm looking forward to seeing it with my own eyes and getting a feel for what they've actually changed and how it's going to run and race and 
Monsonans always it's a tactical challenge um, in terms of you're putting your race run together and as a result it's a strategic challenge in terms of piecing your week together to build your race run so adding in all these compressions and corners and just extra riding compared to the high speed straight physically mentally tactically the whole lot it's going to be an extra challenge so I think Snowshoe was apparently the most physical race that you know the likes of Amory Piron, who's been racing now for a decade, probably racing you know World Cups for the guts of a decade, um, or a bit less, probably seven years now. He's been racing World Cups for eight years, um, and in his opinion, Snowshoe was the most physical track he's ever raced for a race run. Um, and I think this one here in Montsanan, given the the extra duration, we're looking at a different kind of physicality, not as taxing on the cardiovascular system is snowshoe you won't be gassed halfway down mm-hmm. uh, but i think the body in terms of arm pump upper body strength endurance general just the brain telling you that hey we need to slow down here because i can't take any more of these impacts you know i think that's going to be a big challenge this week so super interesting to see how it pans out across the categories uh junior women have you know phoebe gale made a, a had four crashes and finals in snowshoe so gracie hemstreet's now got a a big advantage in that category um, but Gracie did pick up a shoulder injury in Snowshoe and I think a, a shoulder injury on this track and here in Montsanan is going to be a big challenge to manage and then obviously you know we've got Cami Ballanche who's essentially running away with the overall now but Miriam has been per sector a faster rider just not capitalised on that speed to win races um, and then Valley Valley's capable of, of anything from getting beaten by 15 seconds to winning by 5 <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I think across the board in all the categories, Jackson and Jordan on a stable track like this could put down times that are, you know, top five elites or even better. And then the elite men's is kind of just carnage, isn't it? So, yeah, it's going to be between the the distance, the, the length of the track, the gnarliness of it, the classicness, the riders who have the experience here, a whole group of riders like Phoebe, Gracie, Jackson, Jordan, most of the juniors have never been here before. Yeah. Um, so across the board, we're, we're in for a treat, I think. Yeah, and that... that- physicality that comes into play yet again this week it's it's rare for us to have two really physical races back to back i guess or physicality at that level like realistically will riders be fully recovered by the time they come in or do you think some of the maybe less athletic riders in the field be kind of struggling off the back of last week because clearly not everyone's on the same level there yeah, yeah, honestly, like that is a, a fantastic question and it's a multifaceted question that needs a very long-winded response, I think. <laughs> um, trying, to, trying to simplify it though, like, you know, you're, the riders that have trained to build a buffer are the ones that would recover faster. So if wow. you have a strength buffer, as in you don't need to use your full strength capacity to raise snowshoe, then your muscles are going to recover faster from all the impacts, from the eccentric load, from all of the, the just the muscular contractions all week long. If you've got an organizational and a psychological buffer in terms of you have set processes with good staff around you and you know how to manage the emotions and the workload of piecing together a track like Snowshoot, then your brain and that side of things is probably going to recover quicker. If you've managed your training leading up to the Andorra Lenzerheide Snowshoe block and you didn't just cook yourself thinking you had enough time to recover before Andorra and Lenzerheide, um, you'd probably recover quicker. If you blew yourself out with training, and came into Lenzerheide and then Andorra pretty pretty unfresh, let's say, um, and struggled at those races, and that's going to have a knock-on impact here at, thi- at this event. Uh, having come from snowshoe, having come from international travel, having come from a small bit of jet lag, and dealing with the humidity and all the other little details around here, and the bad weather, of course, in snowshoe. So there's that, there is so many layers to that question, and essentially experience and 
all well-rounded preparation or what's going to allow you to recover faster between the events so it's not just as simple as you know like a simple measurable oh whoever has higher vo2 max or higher Mm. strength levels in a squat is going to recover faster it's it's a mix of whoever's got better fitness qualities and whoever's got better specific fitness qualities which in my head covers everything from tactical strategic psychological physical emotional organizational the whole lot you know if the team manager books some horrendous travel from snowshoe to montreal and then on to <laughs> quebec and you lose five bikes and you don't have a bike to spin on for two days and then your mechanic's stressing out because he can't build your bike in time for for day one practice well that's going to have an impact on your recovery or it may have an impact on your recovery so what a question what a question but yeah <laughs> give or take everyone everyone will be recovered enough to send it where you'll see the differences is in the sharpness and the precision of a race run come saturday yeah. because i think here the speeds are high it's eroded and you want to be just a lot of spots where you need to be super super precise in terms of where you're putting your wheels so you carry good speed because obviously the the flip side of not carry of not being precise is not carrying as much speed and when a track like this that's relatively flat but wide open if you lose three kilometers and oh let's not be extreme if you lose you know a kilometer an hour or half a kilometer an hour on an exit and by the time you get to the next breaking point that's going to be five meters 10 meters 12 meters 25 meters compared to your competitor so yeah precision is key and i think if you're a little bit cooked coming into day one practice even if you don't realize it by the time you get to race day you will get smoked or smoked yeah. Yeah. and we did see if, if you check out if people do a little bit of uh, my job and dig into some of the, the splits and sectors of snowshoe you will see some people that were potentially uncharacteristically beaten in a very short sector five the last sector which you saw on tv which started halfway down the fire road sprint and then into those woods where the speed trap was and you had the choice of a double roller roller or roller double roller um, on the jumps and all that section there were some riders who you would classify as fit strong well prepared etc who got absolutely pumped so uh, snowshoe was a fatiguing affair and i think yeah we'll we'll see a similar thing here that certain riders will fade near the bottom or have poor midsections where it's really physical uh, if they haven't recovered fully yeah and and i guess i mean all riders to some extent have energy management strategies throughout a race week right they're trying to do as little as possible other than what they need to do but riders that are confident maybe to to step away from a practice session and realize when enough's enough and maybe hold a little bit back i think cami Blanche is someone that is famous for for doing that and being willing to step mm-hmm. away and say right i'm only going to do one run in this session or i'm only going to you know i'm going to cut short today and save this energy maybe that having that confidence in your ability to get up to speed and and be able to walk away and not just smash out runs all week's going to come in into play this weekend yeah massive on a track as long as this you know three kilometers long it's five minutes give or take four and a half minutes for the men probably um being not needing the confirmation of practice speed you know what i mean not needing to be able to smash every section not not needing to do two or even three timed runs on thursday practice um like you say like like cami is becoming a little bit infamous for let's call it um and others um yeah being able to manage your practice and just know that you're, you're able to put the pieces together do the work necessary be confident in lines direction um breaking points and all the all the details like that with not limited practice but the the optimal amount of practice let's call it without blowing you out is is definitely key like you say and i think some racers do realize the impact uh full runs have on the body in comparison to sections and some of them don't but i definitely think there is 
the physiological impact and the, just the, the impact on your your freshness come race day of smashing out you know consistent full runs is is very very different any of the racers who go testing and do eight full runs versus you know four runs of world cup practice they'll know the difference come the next morning so yeah <laughs> super interesting to see who's going to be who's going to be smart and that's that's the that's the experience comes in that's the riders who've, who've learned hard lessons and easy lessons potentially um who know who know what their body's able for but they also they've learned those hard lessons in terms of oh actually if i do go three runs back to back uh, i feel like a bag the next morning so <laughs> yeah definitely and the weather forecast for the week looks pretty stable from what i've seen maybe the odd little shower but nothing significant is that what you think yeah pretty um pretty stable um majority of the week it seems especially race day it looks quite a pretty warm up to 30 celsius 29 celsius so i'm um, i think everyone is excited after last last week to have a nice uh or potentially nice sunny stable not particularly humid um week a uh, few, few showers forecast potentially on thursday but it hasn't rained much here recently from i checked the uh the weather kind of history whatever you call it hasn't rained much recently so the track will benefit from a little bit of moisture just to keep the dust down uh, but as we know here it runs pretty good in the wet as we see what saw with Gwynnie's win in 2017 uh, the rocks are the rocks are pretty slippy and some of the rocks kind of halfway down the mountain I did see uh, I went for a little hike yesterday and I did see that uh, there's a lot of moss on some of the rocks so I don't know what the racetrack's going to look like but <laughs> could be a bit mossy in there no, we've, not, we've not been here since 2019 so it'll be interesting to see if they've actually done some work um or if they've just let us kind of let Mother Nature take over. We'll yeah, see. for sure. Any any key sections then? Like the Ledal Le section that we always see on the Red Bull feed seems to be quite important in the grand scheme, but because it's got kind of onto that flat exit and, you know, carrying speed out as yeah. well. But hard when you're not here because what you see in TV is, is, is what matters when, you, when you're watching on TV, you know? Mm. And then you'll see three or four riders pull back time in the lower sections or win the race essentially there. So then that in your head, that becomes the most important. Um, you know, Tanis Eager's pulled back a heap of time here on Miriam 2019 World Champs, especially because she did the last two jumps, which Miriam didn't do the last jump um, at the time. She'll definitely do it this year. Um and then Amory pulled back a lot of time after making a huge mistake right near the start of 2019. Um, but I think every sector, every section, every sector here matters. Um, middle woods, so kind of first woods, let's call it the first main woods. It's got a lot of rocks, it's got a lot of corners, it's got a lot of drops. Um, I think they've, they've put in a fresher section in there this year, which is nice. Uh, but um, essentially, Tani lost to Rachel Atherton in 2018 there. So Tani was on par or slightly faster at the bottom three sectors and she lost that wood section. She lost, you know, three seconds. Then the, the exit of that, she lost another 1.2 and then she ended up pulling back, you know, 1.2 or three and lost a race by four and a half seconds at the end instead of six or whatever it was. Uh, so depending on who you are, depending on how you ride the track, depending how your race rolls out with mistakes and issues and everything else, anything's possible. But it's definitely... Uh, key to get from the high speed stuff under the gondola into the Lidal section and from that point onwards just not let up just full gas because it's flat you get crucified if you mess up your exit for your exit speed the transition you know along the the grassy pea sections in and out of all those woods the famous little last woods with the stump gap that Menard pioneered a few years ago 
yeah. uh, all of those sections, you will get crucified if you let off the gas. So definitely can't let off the gas near the bottom, especially because it's flat. Can't make mistakes like Amory did in 2019, tagged the, the Irish jump, it's called, um, the Irish bridge. He tagged oh, yeah. that. Yeah, didn't didn't get a smooth backside in that, which cost him a couple of tenths. Uh, so everything matters, uh, but the lower section you can't let up. And then obviously, like we saw with the Tani example I gave you, depending on your riding style, depending on your execution, your practice, your likes, your dislikes, your fears, some sections matter more to other riders. And obviously we have this new wood section, that this new old wood section. Um, so we don't really have any idea how that's going to pan out. So that'll be super interesting for all the all the trackside dads like me with the dad cams. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And just reflecting on some of those performances in Snowshoe, like Ronan and Bernard, first time we've seen Ronan on the podium and Bernard's best ever result at World Cup. Do you think the conditions and the sort of uh, chaotic nature of the week in snowshoe were a part of those or do you think we'll see those guys now troubling the top steps again maybe this weekend uh, Bernard's been on you know Bernard's an amazing rider as anyone who uh, anyone who's on social media knows um, and he's been on pace for some good results all all year I think if you if you were to dig into his times you know going to Roots of Rain and or the UCI official results or wherever you check your results um, you will see that he's had a lot of really fast sections and sectors, um, some some top times, and he's had punctures, he's had crashes, he's had mistakes and stuff that haven't you know let him fully reflect his his pace. Um, he's well prepared physically. You can see I think he's got himself a new coach this year, so he's actually trained with purpose and direction, which always pays off big the first couple of years for riders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's and a track like Snowshoe that required. A, didn't require aggression but it needed aggression to win and if it paid off as it did with Bernard didn't crash didn't make huge mistakes you're you're going to be right up there Uh, and that's how he rides he rides everything just flat out whether it's pump track whether it's you know downhill laps whether it's practice at World Cup he just goes hard everywhere he runs a a pretty the bike and the wheel tire fork frame combo is pretty stiff from what I can see it's all carbon it's Fox 40s it's Reynolds wheels it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty stiff looking setup. So in a place like Snowshoe, you need to be physically well prepared to deal with that. And I think between actual off the bike training and Bernard's approach to riding, which is just full gas all the time, um, he's he's well prepared. So he, he definitely made the most of that. And, and Ronan Dunn is potentially similar. You know, he's a lot younger than Bernard. He's a lot younger than, than any of the other riders in the podium. He's probably young enough to be Greg Menard's son. Um, <laughs> he, he actually is. Yeah, if you do the math, yeah, <laughs> he actually is. Yeah. So um, he's he's another kid who just goes hard. Like he's he's been training a lot in the gym. I know over the last couple of years, getting bigger, stronger, that sort of thing. Um, and he just goes hard. Like he's he's pretty much infamous and famous at World Cups for being the king of sections. If it's steep, if it's gnarly, if it's got a gap, if it's terrifying, everyone stands back and just lets Ronan go. You know, the, literally the best riders in the world will just be like, "When's Ronan coming? We want to see him go." You know, <laughs> steep section of Lenzer Heide, gaps in snowshoe, gaps in Andorra. It doesn't matter. Everyone wants to see what Rona does, you know, and he does it with confidence. That that stump gap in Andorra greased it every single time he did it. So yeah, he's he's been putting together some impressive riding and impressive sections for a couple of seasons now. Um, it's only his fourth year of, of World Cup racing, um, and it paid off and it paid off in snowshoes. So let's see how Bernard's got the experience, he's got the physicality, he's got the abilities to do well again here. No problem, that's for sure. Ronan, a bit more unknown, really quite unknown to see, you know. I don't know. I don't even know if he's ever. I don't think he's been here before. No, he raced world champs here as a junior. 
British mm-hmm. World Champs here for Ireland as a junior 2019. Did pretty well, mid-pack, kind of 15th or 16th place, I think, from what I remember. Um, so he's got a little bit of experience here, but nothing like Bernard. Um, so it'll be super interesting to see how he goes. But I, I don't really see, I don't really see any problems. I think both of them can definitely do well again. Excellent. Yeah, be good to see it for sure. And do you think we'll see some overalls wrapped up this weekend? Like there's uh, there's definitely some that are mathematically possible. Um, and I guess yeah, it would be good for those riders. mathematically possible after after Phoebe's mistakes in in snowshoe junior women can the junior categories are e- always easier to win because of the way the points go no points or qualities that sort of thing uh-huh. um the junior men is still i don't know if it's still tight i need to, I need to check but there's there's definitely yeah amory's got a healthy lead now after after loris p- bumped himself up to second in the overall even with his crash and yeah. he was probably on pace to to definitely be bernard but potentially be amory as well um so he actually bumped himself up to second. So Finn's, Finn's kind of so-so performance of Snowshoe knocked him back a little bit. So I think, yeah, unless there's catastrophe, Amory's pretty much got a stranglehold on this, as does Cammy. Uh, but as we saw previous years, anything's possible, uh, especially when you're finished their season in Val So uh, anything's possible. But I, I haven't checked the maths to see if there is, other than the junior girls, to see if there is a possibility of people wrapping things up at 250 points this weekend. Um, but yeah, Cami and, and Amory are in definitely commanding positions. Definitely, yeah. And it's, uh, I guess, good to get those done and out the way so that you can go to Leger for Worlds and just go all in and not have an overall to think about as well, right? But that would be like, that's essentially a dream scenario, I think, for a lot of riders, especially a French rider like Amory. You know, if if he, and if say it is mathematically possible this week and he wrapped it up or got very close to wrapping it up, and went to Leger with that that focus and that focus only, like it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, but even I think, especially for the French riders, even if they're leading the overall like Amory is, that they may go to Leger with with no cares about Val Soli anyway, because that is such a big <laughs> race. This track is yeah. so good; the fans will be out in their thousands. Uh, fingers crossed, the weather is good. Um, but I think those guys for that week that's in it may just knuckle down and go tunnel vision on that race and essentially forget about the risks for for the week after so we see it's going to be an exciting end of the year some classic tracks here Leger and, and Val de Soli to finish things off like three physical ones three exciting ones hopefully three huge crowds the crowd here in 2019 in Monsanto was massive it was absolutely massive from what I remember so fingers crossed we get the same at all all the events so if you're listening you're from Quebec Canada north the northern states of the northeastern states of the United States whatever just fill up the bus get the kids up get the dogs up come come and scream because the more fans the better yeah Definitely. And uh, we had one question sent in actually, which is relating to kind of 2023. And there seems to be a lot of rumors kicking around of a, a top 30 men only for men's final. Um, and the the person that wrote in was interested to hear your thoughts on that, whether it was a good thing, a bad thing. Well, I think it's, a, I think personally I think it's a terrible idea. Um, and I think the majority of the riders would agree with that. Obviously, Ronan Dunn ran the 52 or the 59 plate in um, in uh, in Snowshoe and got himself a podium. Uh-huh. So, and uh, you know, Andreas Kolb has had kind of mid mid pack plates for the majority of his career, and now he's had four podiums on the bounce. So, I think yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to work out. That that rumor, particularly about the top 30 getting to finals only, is probably the one with the least traction, from what I can hear, from knowing probably a bit more than than the fans know from being at the races, you know. Um, but there is definitely, long, it, it won't happen for next year, as far as I'm aware, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big change and a big change too soon. 
especially seeing as you don't have a calendar yet and it's August. So there's other things to work on as opposed <laughs> yeah. to, you know, finals numbers. But if it was to happen, it would be more so a case of, I think, at least in, in, the, in the medium term, um, a Friday or a Thursday or a Saturday final, uh, small final, and then the top 30 goes through to the big final, kind of like to do with the IXSs. And it was UCI's idea originally to trial that out at the IXSs, potentially uh-huh. bring it to World Cups. So I think, you know, the ESO have have lots of ideas in the bag here and they want to make it more professional. They want to make a, if they got to the point where they can make a genuine feeder series of World Cup 2 and, you know, five guys from, from World Cup 2 every year bumped up to, to World Cup 1, you know, five women, five men or whatever it was going to be then we can start talking about smaller finals but really you only see 30 people on the tv sometimes 25 if the track's longer you only see on on tv because obviously red bull tv the pre-show and everything else so those you know 30 back to 60 that race finals you don't ever see them anywhere on tv so getting rid of them we have enough time in the day it seems we'd have more practice if you got rid of the riders but i I just don't for now it's for now, it's not going to happen for 2023, as far as I know, unless unless the ESO come in with hammer and tongs and absolutely shred up the rule book, you know, which at, at this late stage, I can't see how they could do that. And teams and riders will be happy with it. I think it's not going to happen for 2023. Yeah. Is there enough time in the day if they wanted to show more of the race runs? Because the rider overlap, I guess, is going to be... Currently, no. If, like, I know fans complain about how little of the tracks they see sometimes and they don't see, like they didn't see the new section in Lenzerheide. Uh, they didn't see one of the best bits of, of Andorra. Uh, they didn't see the new section in Snowshoe, and they won't see most of most of the new section here because of where they are on the track. Um, so fans complain a, a, a little bit about that. And if you try to show more riders, it'll be back to the freecasters days where you just see random bits of everything. So mm. <laughs> that's not what we want, you know. And I think it, for Discovery and ESO, it's a big thing to to reorganize and solidify the the tv product i think is, is one of their big goals obviously um so showing more of the runs showing a more in-depth analysis of the runs and that sort of thing is definitely on the cards so how they achieve that is is yet to be seen um it's it's a it's a big challenge it's an outdoor sport you have a varied lengths of tracks you need to get cameras and cables in position you need the direction the directors and the producers to sort it all out like it's it's, it's, it's a big ask so for now, I think, yeah, there was, there's rumors floating around of, you know, less riders, 30 riders for finals, which means more time for practice because currently you have an hour window for practice on race morning and the elite women get a, a 10 minute window to do an extra run if they wish. Um, and it, it's super short. So some of the ideas floating around were like, oh, less riders, more TV time, but more relaxed race day schedule. So you get way more practice, which on the surface has lots of benefits. But when you scratch it a bit, it needs a lot of thought and organization going into it and you need to know your venues you need to know your tracks and we're hearing rumors of some you know some ews venues taking on downhill rounds for example without tracks for now as far as we know so they're gonna have to build tracks that sort of thing so there's a lot of work to do um and i think the least of everyone's worries whether it's eso or uci for now is chopping the field in half for the elite men i think more of the work is going into actually creating a race series you know yeah Okay, interesting. Good to hear your take on it. Thanks for that, man. Well, we should let you go. It's a busy week for you guys. Um, Looking forward to another exciting race at the weekend. But yeah, thanks. Hope all your riders go well. Hope you have a good week and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Fingers crossed. Right. Yeah, cool. Thanks very much. All right, that's it for this episode with Chris. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to watch the race over on Red Bull TV this weekend. 
Also, don't forget that if you want to join us live online for the Monson and Post Race Show, then we're opening up spaces for a few lucky people to do just that. If you want to be one of those lucky people, then head over to goreggie.com, that's G-O-R-E-G-G-Y.com, and search for Downtime, and you'll find an event there. Or there'll be a link in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Get yourself a ticket, and we'll send you a web link so you can join us to watch the recording live and ask questions in the live chat. Head over to goreggie.com now and get involved. A huge thank you to Maxis for supporting this season. Maxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride, so head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. I've been using the DHR2 Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in their brand new XO Plus casing up front, and it's a combo that is working really well for me, so why not check it out for yourself? Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of our awesome print project Downtime EP. As always, spread the word, tell your friends and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 